welcome to Adamant Eve on CJSR FM 88.5 in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Luis Fuentes and I'll be your host for today's episode of Adamant Eve. Thanks for tuning in. In light of the recent news of the 215 children victim of residential schools in Kamloops, we would like to take some time to reflect on the ongoing needed work for projects of decolonization and uphold treaty responsibilities for full indigenous sovereignty and self-determination. We stand in solidarity with all victims of colonialism in so-called Canada and around the world. Adamant Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We're adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with feminist issues across Edmonton and around the world. On the airwaves today, we will hear from Kyla Pascal and Catherine Lennon, the co-editors of a new zine centered around food justice stories from diverse identities absent from mainstream food media. Grab a snack if you can, and let's have a listen to these inspiring humans. My name is Catherine Lennon. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, my mother's side of the family comes from Hong Kong. And like my grandparents were both involved in food systems in different ways. Like my grandfather had a farm there on a little island called Chung Chow. So it was like very like small farming. And my grandmother was a vegetable seller in the market. So she was like very like much a like subsistence kind of like micro entrepreneur to raise her kids, um, like selling vegetables and then, you know, making dumplings, selling noodles. Um, so food was like tied to livelihood as well um, on that side. And then my father's ancestors come from Ireland, like several generations back, which they left during the potato famine and arrived in Southern Ontario as settlers, you know, cleared land, farmed it. So like, I think there's like these threads of of thinking about like food and livelihood and also like food and scarcity and like food and land so yeah those are those are things important to me and yeah exciting to connect with others around those topics and I got engaged in food justice work I've always been obsessed with food and eating (laughs) specifically Food has always been an important piece in my family, a way we gather, a way we socialize, a way we show love and mark special events and so on. But I first really started to think about food justice when I was doing an undergrad in environmental studies. And I became really interested in food systems work, but noticed that there were lots of gaps of whose voices were missing. So specifically at that time, I was thinking a lot about anti-racism and race and noticed that voices of people of color were blatantly missing from food systems work. Um, So started to to ask questions about that at that point. And those questions and that lens has kind of carried through for me. Um, And yeah, we can talk more about that later. But that's kind of how I got started with questions around who was missing. My name is Kyla. My pronouns are she, her. And I have, so I would say two-pronged kind of like entryway into food justice work. Similar to Catherine, my family is like very much situated around food as like a gathering point, a place of like complexities. Both my grandparents, um, so my 
uh, Albertan, Métis, settler side were farmers of cattle and grain. And then in Dominica, my family were vanilla and banana farmers. And then just growing up, yeah, food was a big part of the just everything that we did um, and recipes and sharing knowledge and those sorts of things. And then as I got older and started working, I basically, I was just thinking as you were talking, Catherine, I've been working in the food industry. Uh, Like my first job was Domino's Pizza. And then from there, like I worked at an old folks home in their dining room. And then as I got older, I started working in like more kind of like trendy restaurants and cafes and, and bars and in Edmonton and started to really like think about the people who existed in those spaces and who had access and who didn't have access and and what food means in those very different contexts. And so then I started working at APERG uh, at the U of A and that kind of gave me the opportunities to kind of learn about like the language and nuance around actual like social justice and then by extension food justice. And then ever since then, I haven't really looked back and it's been a big part of who I am. Awesome. So on to our first question. On the Hungry Zine website, it is mentioned that the zine is guided by anti-oppressive, anti-racist, and decolonial values, a commitment to food justice and to centering voices and diverse identities absent from food media, um, which is something that seems to really be missing in mainstream food media. And we're both really excited to see who and what is in the zine. Um, So why are these values and commitments important to you? For myself, like I've worked for like local government, like with and for nonprofits around food systems and food security work. And I consistently found these perspectives missing from that work. I found it really difficult to bring all of myself to that work. I found it hard to bring these conversations around anti-oppression, anti-racism and decolonization into that work, you know, that is still predominantly led and framed by white voices. So it makes it really hard to bring forward perspectives and experiences and knowledge and, you know, like trying to actually build meaningful relationships with like diverse identities and communities in in food work, I think is really hard. So like meeting Kyla and getting excited about just starting something ourselves, like taking some of that frustration and kind of critiques that we have about what's missing and then being able to think about creating something has been really, really exciting and really, I guess, like in some ways, like very like joyful and healing because instead of just being like angry at the system, we can, we can try to create something where we see ourselves reflected and by doing that, create a platform and space for others. Like that's been really exciting. Mm -hmm. And were there any submissions that really like stood out to you? I don't know specific. I think it was such a beautiful surprise just in and of itself of all the submissions we got like just reading so many like and very vulnerable stories that people wanted to share of like beautiful things of their family sad things grief loss joy complicated relationships like all of these things come up in food and so I think it was just really wonderful to have people want to share that with us what was really cool and surprising was to see like the connections between the pieces because our first issue the theme was home cooking and we wanted to begin from kind of the source like we wanted to start off with 
you know, where did you first learn to cook? Where did you first cook? Like who were the people who supported that, right? Um, and so we didn't really specify what that meant, but we got so many stories about grandmothers, some about grandfathers, a lot about grandmothers, a lot of stories about chicken. <laughs> that was a common theme. <laughs> uh, so, like some common themes around like canned foods like spam and like canned soup. So it was cool to see that and and just, yeah, the connections there. Yeah, that's super interesting to me. And it like makes me think of how like our own identities are shaped by food and also how food shapes our own identities. And like, as you mentioned, um, spam and canned food, I think of like my mom grilling up spam when I was younger. And I think a lot of my Chinese friends also ate that. So it's like a, a memory of my childhood and like, in the context of Alberta, especially like being big in dairy industry, it's kind of tied to Canadian nationalism in ways. And also that like masculinity is associated with eating meat, eating beef, being Albertan proud of cattle and stuff. So I wonder if you have thoughts on like how the socialization might be influenced by one's class, ability, location, and how, it, how that might be tied with food. I mean, everybody eats and everybody's relationship is going to be so complicated because you see food as a marker of self. Like there could be issues of like, you know, like body image and like what you're putting in your body and and fat phobia coming up through like the lens of food and like good food and bad food and the moralizing of food. And then in relation to your identity, like it's very real of how your place, like your literal place in wherever you're at can really impact what you are able to eat, what you want to eat, what can you afford to eat. All of this impacts and like requires a lot of nuance when thinking about food, because it is, it holds so much for people. Like food can be such a beautiful, joyful thing. And it can also be really sad you can think about like people you've lost and like things you ate with them it can bring up like shame for like things that you've like eaten that maybe you thought you shouldn't have so thinking about food like definitely requires yeah a really nuanced lens of how we relate to it and I think that's why we kind of wanted to start this zine is like we wanted to have these conversations that are like really complex and interesting and diverse because it's like a snowflake like everybody's going to have a completely different relationship to like every single item on this planet every food item so yeah Catherine Mm -hmm. yeah I think absolutely all those aspects are connected to food and I think especially this year you know we've been like eating through a pandemic and like most people have been spending a lot of time at home I think like all of like, like you went like class, race, gender, sexuality, ability, place, all these things have been so, I think, top of mind. We're seeing inequities really like highlighted, you know, in who still has to go into work to provide access to grocery stores or, you know, the meat that we're getting from meatpacking plants and like who is needing to go into work and is at risk of getting COVID and what are we able to access, right? And like, who's able to easily stay at home and order takeout and who's delivering your takeout and and making it as very personally like I think just the more social aspects of food are kind of stripped away which for me food is so much about the social socializing 
but then when it's just like you know being at home just kind of looking at what I'm going to cook what we're going to cook for our household yeah it definitely brings up a lot of like Kyla said like reflections and like about memories like complexities all these things yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so um like you were saying before food is so different and special to each person and so is food justice work um like the definition it's it's just very nuanced and means different things to different people and like just thinking about how people have different relationships to food in terms of just their identities and abilities to like access food which is a problem for a majority of people in the world um, if we're just looking at the global context and ongoing colonization and displacement of indigenous peoples and peoples who are in communities that are being gentrified so do you have any thoughts about how this scene intersects with these issues i think for me a big part I guess a big, like at the root of a lot of these issues is just access to food knowledge as well. So when I think about access and food security or food insecurity, we always talk about access to food as being physical, like whether it's like being close to a grocery store, being able to get, having the vehicle or transportation to get there, having the, the income, having access to food that's culturally appropriate, that's nutritious and all these things. But I think something that's often missing is like thinking about access to food knowledge. So I think that's what I'm, I really hope our zine can do is just create that space for people to articulate and express knowledge around food that like is in, in, in them and is in the people they have relationships with, is in their communities. And I think by kind of surfacing some of that knowledge and sharing it and like honoring it, I think that is really, really important like in in affecting some of these conversations like I think something that Kyla and I connected over ranting around was like cultural appropriation and food and you know that is something that is still very rampant you know whose foods have like become trendy and are now being capitalized off of when they used to be things that we were like maybe embarrassed to eat and like bring our lunches to school um and you know something that I always get annoyed about is like like I'm mixed Chinese. And so always like how, you know, in reviews of the best restaurants, like Chinese food is always in like the late night or like cheap eats or best leftovers the day after category. And, you know, why are we not looking at Chinese restaurants and Chinese chefs and Chinese food as like cuisine? And we're not looking at them as like the best chefs in Edmonton. We're like, oh, this is the best cheap food that you can eat when you don't care what you're eating, which really does disrespect to like a you know ancient traditions of eating anyway so that's my rant but I think I think just yeah like having space to share like some of the deep knowledge around food and that we have or we might not yet have but you know having the excuse to write something and submit it to a zine I think like gives people a chance maybe to like reach out and interview you know an elder or someone in their community that they haven't been able to have these conversations with yet so that's kind of what I hope that was a beautiful answer (laughs) it was it really was great um I don't know if I have too much more to add I think yeah just to build off that I think like it is is storytelling and so what's important to us is that people who have this lived experience have the opportunity to share their own stories because we see it in food media. We see cultural appropriation in food media of like who gets the spotlight in terms of, you know, the biggest platforms. And oftentimes it's folks who are not from that ethnic group or what have you. 
or and not even a nod we are lucky to live in like a world where we can go on the internet and find a recipe that you like love at a place and give it a shot at home or what have you but you know it's important to recognize the roots of those recipes and those people and like the story behind it and i think that's what we want to have happen in our zine is this sharing and this like exposing of these like roots and this like really beautiful system that exists around food so that we can we can all share in that knowledge together and have like a better appreciation for food and these food conversations. Thanks so much for that answer, both of you. A lot to think about there and it makes me think about like the actual bodies who are producing these foods, um, like the people and also the animals also involved. Um, food is like at its root also about bodies, like who is making your food, who is growing it, who is producing the milk and eggs, who are female animals. And also, of course, like the exploited workers who are disproportionately migrant and indigenous workers. So I wonder, like, I know your zine can't touch on everything, but I wonder if there were like stories that stuck out to you in this aspect or anything that made you think about this with the zine? Yeah, definitely. I think the entire food system is laden with exploitation. And so where we see it in like resource extraction of lands that Indigenous people have used, like have lived on forever, where they gathered, you know, they hunted and they gathered. We see it in factory farms where animals are treated terribly, like disgustingly. So that that is a reality of the world that we're living in. And I think we have the zine and it's not going to cover everything and we're not going to have the answers in this, but it's an opportunity to investigate new ways of doing things. And so in thinking about like treatment of animals, like people around the globe forever and always like have been hunting, like that is a thing that people have done. And I, I come to this work and thinking of these things in, with an indigenous lens. And so I'm often thinking about like all my relations and how like we are all connected. And so how do we live in a world where humans and people who are laboring in fields and factories and are being exploited for their labor can be treated better? And also thinking about the animals who lives are being taken for people to live and survive and I think it's complicated because everybody's coming to this with different experiences different histories around food but to me I think a useful question is kind of thinking about ways that we can do all of this work and and have food systems where there's like the least amount of like pain or suffering to the land to people to animals and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's definitely complicated. Yeah, I don't think we had anything specifically, like directly kind of comment on like veganism or like animal liberation, that kind of, those kind of themes. But what, what comes to mind for me, maybe in like a softer approach, just like the valuing of food. I think some of the stories that were submitted do talk about grandparents like preparing like chicken soup with like all parts of the chicken, right? And like using all the bones and creating like really delicious stock or, or whether even that's like 
really just like enjoying and appreciating a can of spam. But I think like part of this, like really valuing of food and it kind of connects to like not wasting and respecting the animals, you know, who have given their lives for you and respecting those who worked to make it possible for you to eat that food. I think that all connects for me. So I think when you'd mentioned chicken feet in your interview questions in advance and that used to be my favorite food at dim sum before I realized chicken feet actually are the feet of a chicken <laughs> like as a child I was like mm, this is just a name because a lot of Cantonese food names are very like poetic <laughs> like they're actually called like phoenix claws so you're like what am I eating but um you know recently we've been making a lot of stock really good like ramen breath like using chicken feet and then I think just using all these parts whether it's of animals or even of plants that we cook with um, and just not wasting and I think like the more that we think about that and where our food comes from it kind of the connections reach out deeper and deeper right you start to think about like growing your food and then once you start gardening or farming like you start to think about like the soil and the water and the air and the other ecosystems that you're in touch with and you know that might also get you to think about like land and like colonization and whose lands have been dispossessed for you to be able to be there farming or gardening right so like I think yeah I think for me it all just kind of traces back to to thinking like deeper and like in a more connected way. Mm -hmm. I guess to follow up on that, like as you guys mentioned earlier, digging into the roots of what food knowledge means, what food means to people. And, and I think like when you dig deeper into like your own history of food and like where you get that knowledge from or where that knowledge is being taken away from you, like the overarching thing that strips people away from food knowledge is like the ongoing colonization of Canada and capitalism and all these like interlocking oppressions that harm the land, people and animals. So do you folks see liberation movements of animals and people being connected? Or what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm curious what that looks like. Like, I think when you think of like, big systems, and like abolition work and liberation work and and I'm a very pie in the sky person. And I love, I love to believe that we can, we can do this and like we can strive for these big things. And so I think like I kind of go back to my own personal like ideas and roots of like kind of like indigenous ways of being and thinking about how we can be in right relations with one another. So what does it look like to like somebody who you know say like a hunter like what does it mean to hunt and to to take a life another life it's very profound it's very it's very intense you see this also like in halal like it's often a thing that's like it's very considered you know and like for indigeneity like you put tobacco down you make an offering you're saying like thank you and like a recognizing and I think there's such a disconnect currently in in our systems, like it has been, it has been created, our systems have been created to disconnect us from one another, from animals, so that when you see, when you're at the grocery store, and you see a 
you know, these little pieces of meat in like a little styrofoam thing, you don't really think about the story behind it. You don't think about the chickens. Were they in terrible factories? Were they on a farm living their best lives? Like, we don't know that. We don't know the story of like the the slaughterhouses and the people who are like working there. We don't know those facilities. It's such a disconnect. And so I think when I think of like being in right relationship with things, it's this connecting and it's this understanding and back to that kind of like food knowledge and these like knowledges of how we got to be here and how we can be in right relations with everything. So there isn't a disconnect so that when you go to eat something, you really consider the story behind it, but also recognizing that a lot of people because of their circumstances don't have the time the energy the money to really consider those things you know what I mean like it is also a privilege to be able to think you know oh I love organic and like oh these chickens were raised on like a nice little farm and like there's a you know there's a whole backstory to you know whatever this little like feathered friend but if you've got a lot on your plate you know that's probably not (laughs) your first concern which isn't great but that's how these systems work and so I think slowly and being intentional and you know working to support one another and like good you know dismantling of these systems is slowly these like baby steps can get us in this place of of being considerate and having the time to consider all of these things of harvesting and gathering and, and hunting and killing and like like these very serious things and like potentially beautiful potentially harmful like it's like so complex but yeah I think there's a lot to consider yeah I think we want to give you all a big thank you and for sharing your thoughts and time and I'm super excited to get my hands on a zine myself and I wonder if you have any information on how other folks might be able to get one and maybe contact you yeah, so you can follow us at HungryZine on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to email us, you can get in touch with us at hello at HungryZine.com. And in terms of purchasing, uh, you'll be able to purchase on our website. And we hope to have our zines available in a few stores. So we'll keep people updated on our social media. We produced this week's episode on Treaty 6 territory and acknowledge the colonial legacies we are situated within. We recognize that colonialism is ongoing and violent. We encourage you to reflect on your own relationship further and ask what accountability would look like here and practice for yourself, the communities you're part of and the larger systems that shape our daily access and opportunities. A warm thanks to our guests Catherine Lennon and Kyla Pascal for sharing about Hungry Sin and how it relates to community-driven food justice work. Keep a tab on their Instagram and Twitter at HungryZine to get updates on where you can get your own zine. Also, thanks to our Adam and Eve contributors for this episode, Michelle Deng and Wayne Chan. For more information on Adam and Eve or to send us any feedback, please visit our Facebook page or Twitter at Adam and Eve, all in one word. 
that if you're interested in any aspect of feminist radio, please reach out. We're looking for social media manager and designer. So if you're interested in collaborating, please hit us up. Thank you very much for tuning in. I've been your host, Luis Fuentes, and I wish you an adamant evening.